Welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. And now, here's your host, CEO and co-founder of Scouts, Max Hansen. Welcome back to episode 71 of the Built on Purpose podcast brought to you by Scouts. I'm your host, Max Hansen, the CEO of Scouts, where we find purpose aligned and performance proven leaders. One of the practice areas Scouts has been dominating for the last several years is cannabis. And speaking of dominating cannabis, today our guest is Nancy Whiteman, co-founder and CEO of Wana Brands, the number one cannabis edibles brand in North America by market share. Nancy, welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast. Thank you so much, Max. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. I'm going to start out with an uh, easy question just to get to the flow of things here. Uh, when and how did you get involved in the cannabis industry? Well, that's actually a bit of a funny story. So um, I, I call myself the accidental cannabis entrepreneur. It really started with a conversation with a neighbor who was the dad of one of my children's friends. And I hadn't seen him for a while. And I asked him what he was up to. And um, he said, oh, you won't approve. And I said, oh, really? Try me. And he said, well, I've started uh, an infused soda pop company. And I was, uh, while I was very familiar with cannabis, I was actually unfamiliar with the language of medical cannabis at that time. Um, And I said, infused with what? And he said, it's infused with marijuana, which is what we called it back in the day. And long story short, um, we ended up uh, going into partnership with him for a brief period of time uh, and ended up uh, sharing a kitchen. And uh, that's really how I got into cannabis. And it was sort of an interesting uh, way to enter because as I said, I didn't actually know that much about the medicinal uses of cannabis. It wasn't that I didn't believe it. I just didn't know that much about it. Um, But when we started getting products to market and starting getting incredible feedback from our uh, end users about our products, it was like the light bulb going off. I really understood the power of the plant and then became very, very passionate about the power of cannabis to change people's lives for the better. But that is uh, my, my uh, somewhat uh, happenstance story about how I got into cannabis. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, that's one of my favorite parts of doing these uh, podcasts is you know, kind of learning when people get introduced to cannabis and how it kind of gets off and, and running. What year was that just for, to, for reference? That was 2010, and uh, cannabis was sort of newly legal in Colorado at that point in time, and it was just medical. Absolutely. And then getting into just so the audience starts to understand, I think unless you've been hiding under a rock, uh, then you might not know this, but let's just you know kind of go through this for the, the audience sake. Uh, Wana Brand's current footprint is in 13 states and nine markets in Canada. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And then what, what are the growth plans from here? I know there's going to, we'll talk a lot about you know, the excitement of kind of where things are headed and, and maybe a little bit of where you've been, but what are the growth plans from here as far as, you know, what you can talk about and, and confidently talk about? I know this is it for us. We're no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is it for us. <laughs> so we're currently launching in four more States uh, in the U S and we are in discussions in I think five additional States right now. So we have just an enormous amount of growth ahead of us uh, in the U.S. market and, of course, beginning to explore some international opportunities as well. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Does it get any easier as you go from state to state, given all the different regulations and changes and and, uh, compliance? Well, some things I think have become easier. Um, The things that have become easier is that I think that we are really a well-oiled machine now in terms of understanding how to launch in different markets. We have an absolutely amazing market expansion team that works incredibly well with our partners to get people up and running and then supporting them all the way through everything from operations to sales and marketing. So that part has gotten easier, but the rest of it doesn't get easier because in an environment, of course, where we have um, cannabis still being federally illegal, we essentially have to start over in every market we go into. And that does mean understanding the regulations of each market, 
uh, understanding also the more intangible elements of the market, uh, where people are in terms of their knowledge about cannabis, what they're ready for, um, you know, how to compete effectively in that market, the nuances of sales and marketing, which can be extremely different from market to market. Um, and then really the complexity comes in with when you're dealing with as many markets as, as we are dealing with, there's just a lot of moving parts all the time. So, so some things have gotten easier and some things get more complex. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm lucky enough to be in Arizona. So I have uh, been able to try your products just based on, on where I'm at here. And, and obviously I try, I travel quite a bit to the other States that you guys are in as well. So that's been nice. At White Scouts, we're incredibly focused on health and wellness. And in reading about that THCV wanna fit gummies uh, product, uh, we're, ex- we're extremely excited, excited about it. Um, w- tell us, tell us, give us some more specifically about that. And we might get into it, um, obviously, a little bit more again. But if you could go specifically into that, that would be great. I want to learn a bit more about that. Sure. Well, the THC product is an interesting product. It's called WannaFit. And it's interesting because THCV is, is a cannabinoid that is somewhat paradoxical when people think about THC, which is associated with getting the munchies and perhaps with uh, you know lying on your couch and relaxing. THCV is actually just the opposite. First of all, it's not intoxicating at all, um, but it actually acts as an appetite suppressant. And it also, for many people, increases focus. So uh, the wanna fit formulation is really for people who are specifically looking for help in regulating weight uh, and appetite and also increasing focus. So it's a really new, very innovative product. Oh man, we are excited to try that. What a question, a little bit changing gears a little bit. Uh, When you think about where you and the wanna team are at today, what are you most proud of when you look back? Gosh. That's a, that's a great question because I feel like we do have a lot to be proud of. Um, I think what I'm most proud of when I, when I think of where Juan is today, I can kind of bucket that, I guess, into a couple of categories. One, one are the, the business reasons to be proud. You know, I think we have really led the industry in terms of figuring out uh, market expansion, how to get to markets quickly with a capital light, asset light type model. Um, and I think we've also led the industry in terms of innovation. So I'm very proud of that. And of course, uh, that has uh, enabled us to have an extremely profitable company, which is a bit of a rarity in cannabis. So I'm super proud of that. But when I, um, when I think beyond sort of the business pieces of it, I think the things that I'm proudest of are really our contributions to the industry in terms of bringing products that are really effective, uh, both from a health and wellness point of view, but also from a recreational point of view, which I I particularly think is part of health and wellness is the ability to relax and the ability to have fun and enjoy yourself. Um, So our contributions there are very meaningful to me. And then on a more personal level, um, really WANA is built very much in line with my own personal values. And that includes creating a workplace where people feel valued and respected and where they have opportunities to, to learn and grow. And uh, I feel that, that we've really done a nice job of that at WANA. And then the third thing I would mention is our focus on community involvement and really helping to address some of the needs in the world through very active corporate social responsibility programs. Awesome. And I'll touch probably a little bit more on those because I really want to uh, highlight those. Um, and, and you talked about this a little bit earlier, but when you guys were uh, in the earlier days, how how did you navigate such a highly regulated kind of ever-changing regulations from state to state? I know now, you, you know, it's a little bit more systematic. You've seen, you know, you've seen some things and, and uh, you've seen enough now where you know how to kind of respond. But when you were building the company, what was that like dealing with, um, you know, just state to state regulations changing and, and uh, things being different as you stayed, started to move forward? Yeah, I won't lie that that was really challenging and it still is really challenging because, you know, 
in, in any state at any time, regulations can be changing, whether it's like a, a label is changing or now we don't want the use of this cannabinoid or whatever. So it, it requires really constant vigilance. And it also requires having partners who are very on top of it. Um, we, we do the sort of the obvious things. We subscribe to services that help us keep abreast of regulatory changes, et cetera. But it also is truly a partnership with the organization that we work with in each state. They also have to have compliance people who are very on top of things, um, who are, are uh, bringing things to our attention. And then we have to have the resources and the internal structure to be able to respond to things quickly. So it's, it is a team effort. Awesome. And I think, you know, one of the things you taught, started to touch about, ta- uh, touch on that I think we are in full alignment with is, um, you know, just some of the things that you're, you're proud of, uh, the corporate responsibility, uh, those types of things. I think most people agree that the world needs more female leaders, especially in cannabis. What does it mean to you to represent all the females out there with your success? Well, I don't think any one person represents all the females out there. <laughs> Um, I'm sure that there are, are people who, who relate to me and probably some people who don't relate to me or, or to my story. But, um, you know, it, it, it is a very interesting thing. And I have to confess that I used to feel maybe a little bit of, I don't know what the right word would be, but that the focus on me as a woman in cannabis was a little much, you know, that I wanted to be recognized and acknowledged for being a successful entrepreneur, regardless of my gender. But I think my attitude about that has changed a little bit because I have had so many women um, come up to me over the years and tell me that it is meaningful to them to see a woman be successful in cannabis, particularly because this is a very male-dominated industry. Um, So, you know, I I feel um, flattered, of course, and honored, of course, that, that I can be that uh, for women, that I can be uh, an example of a woman who has been very successful in cannabis. But I also feel an obligation to help women be realistic about uh, what it means to be successful, not just as a woman, but as a human being. And, you know, I'll give a particular example. When uh, we recently completed a transaction with uh, Canopy Growth Corporation, um, and where they acquired an option to uh, purchase Wano in the event of, of uh, federal legalization or another uh, triggering event. And it was really lovely. We, you know, it was announced obviously on LinkedIn and we got literally thousands of people congratulating us. And, and a number of people sort of referred to me as, as Wana's fearless leader. And I, I really had to sort of set the record straight that being an entrepreneur, there's many things that I would say about it, but, but uh, having the quality of fearlessness is, is absurd. You know? and, and I particularly wanted to put that out there for women entrepreneurs, that there was no um, illusion that somehow having a normal level of, of fear and anxiety as you're starting a new business is somehow something to be embarrassed about or ashamed about. It is part of the entrepreneurial journey. Um, And what I would really say is that what I hope is that I can be an example of women of other attributes that are more realistic than fearlessness, right? And I would include in those resilience. I'd include persistence. I would include uh, trying to build a company that exemplifies the values of of compassion and kindness. Um, And of course, good business practices, that goes without saying. But, you know, I think that, that being a woman in cannabis uh, also gives me an opportunity and provides a platform for me to talk about the values that are important to me. And, and that's what I hope comes through. Awesome. That, I, just the way you share that is just says so much about uh, why you're a great leader, just because of your humbleness and, you know, kind of how you see, uh, you know, the challenges and successes of, of being just a leader, period. And then just such a, such a humble, uh, view. I personally think, um, I have obviously dealt with lots of leaders in all industries. And what I think is, I think females typically, I know this is a little stereotypically, a little stereotypical are set up to be better leaders. I think that they, 
uh, typically and not always, they're, uh, they are a little bit more empathetic and they kind of can see things a little bit different and they bring an awesome perspective. So uh, for me, I'm one of the ones that can't wait to, you know, kind of start evening it out as far as uh, bringing more women into leadership roles in cannabis. So thank you for your humble response to that question. And um, what I, when I see the question now, it is kind of worded in a funny way. And I, I appreciate you straightening that out. Another thing I want to talk about, and we've touched on this a little bit, but I want to get a little deeper in it is uh, tell us what makes the WANA culture so special. That was one thing that stood out to me and in my team. Um, we're one of the first purpose and values driven uh, uh, leadership search firms. So we can identify and we really recognize companies that are building special cultures. And so tell us from your perspective, you've already touched on some of it, but Tell us what makes the WANA culture special uh, to you. Sure. Well, you know, one of the things about cannabis is there's such an abundance of opportunity constantly coming at you. And so I think discernment and focus uh, really are near the top of the list in terms of, of how you build a successful company and a successful culture. You, you can't do everything and you exhaust yourself and you exhaust your team if you try to. So I think one of the things about our culture is that we have a lot of focus, we have a clear strategy, we communicate that clear strategy uh, to everybody. But I also think that, um, and I, I hope that I model this as a leader, but that it's, it's incredibly important to me that people uh, work together in a way that is collaborative and respectful. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean we all sit around and sing kumbaya and that we all agree on, on everything. It's not that at all. Um, because I think that, that conflict and seeing things differently is also part of a healthy culture. Um, so I would say that um, really compiling a team of people and they come this way. You, you don't make people anyway. You just hire people who are in alignment with values, I think, who see the world similarly in terms of the kind of organization that they want to be a part of and how they want to work with, with each other uh, has led to a very positive uh, work environment. And I, I point to COVID and what has happened to many companies during COVID and now as we're beginning to recover from COVID, um, you know, a, a lot of companies found that morale really suffered, turnover suffered, the great resignation, all the things that we, we read about uh, COVID related. And, uh, you know, by and large, we really haven't seen that. Our turnover is very low. Um, we've allowed people to have a lot of autonomy in terms of uh, working from home versus working in real life. And I think that that is also reflective of the WANA culture is that you know, COVID has permanently changed things and we need to change with that. We can't fight um, that. And I don't even think it's desirable to try to fight it. What we have found is that people can be incredibly productive uh, when they do work from home. So I think this sort of infusing, dare I use that word, but infusing the culture with, with respect and shared values and having the leadership team really model those values uh, has been really important. Oh, that's so great to hear. Is there any uh, COVID related? I mean, obviously there's, you know, we have a lot of uh, empathy for, for people that were negatively impacted by COVID, but, you know, I think if you, if you're anytime there's a challenge or something challenges society or challenges individuals, I think everybody can find some bright moments. Were there anything, any bright moments for you personally, or as a company you touched on a couple of them uh, that came from uh, COVID? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things that COVID did is that it made us all get a lot more intentional about our communications. So I think that we relied very heavily before on kind of, you know, dropping in on people in their office and, and, and you know, informally communicating things. And I think that it really... Uh, forced us to be a lot more intentional about how we communicate. And then we also just tried to do fun stuff. I think one of the things that makes the WANA culture special is that we all really enjoy each other and we all like to laugh and we all like to joke around. And so, you know, everything from, you know, making 
you know, puns and silly jokes and football pools and kind of all of that little stuff that helps us keep in touch with each other, not just from a business point of view, but from a personal point of view. Um, I, I think all of those have been some positives that have come out of COVID for us. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And we, we touched on it when we started to talk about, uh, uh, about your, your deal with Canopy Growth. How is it going to help you continue to grow, Juana? And you and I touched on it one time in a phone call as well, but it just how, how are you seeing uh, it being a benefit for, for you and the business moving forward? Yes. Um, so as you can probably imagine, as we were going through the thought process of Juana's future, we did have conversations with a lot of different organizations. Um, and there were some things about Canopy that just absolutely stood out for me. And they've only stood out even more sort of post uh, transaction. Um, and I think what, there's some things that I would point to. First is that Canopy truly has a global perspective uh, in terms of the industry. And they have the resources and, and the vision to put that in place. Um, a, lo a lot of what people see of Canopy is, is the Canadian results, but there's really a lot more going on uh, that, that we're able to learn about and to participate in, not as part of Canopy right now, because we're still, still two separate companies, but ways that we can partner um, today. Uh, they have a depth of relationships that's already been very helpful to us. Um, they have um, R&D uh, and innovation resources that are very deep that we learn from. Um, they just, uh, they've really are, are proving to be a very uh, great supportive partner to WANA. And I think uh, one of the things that is, is sort of an interesting byproduct of what is a little bit of an unusual deal structure is that we really have the opportunity to get to know each other as people and as business partners before the formal acquisition takes place. And that's really a great thing too. Uh, and we're, we're absolutely thoroughly enjoying the relationship with Ken. Oh, that's awesome. And that is very unique. Usually it doesn't unfold that way. So that's, uh, we're excited to see uh, how that blossoms. How did your career in sales and marketing consultancy help you build WANA? I mean, clearly there's, you know, you had a really great career uh, before WANA and built up some, some incredible skill sets and, and foundational things. But how, when you look back, how, what skill sets really came in the most handy? Uh, what, what helped you really build? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, in, in many ways, I have sort of a traditional background. You know, I have an MBA. I worked in corporate America for a long time. I was the VP of marketing for, um, for a large uh, financial services company. And all of those things uh, had elements that have turned out to be very useful. And then in some ways, they were completely useless. <laughs> so I'll kind of speak to both of them. Um, <laughs> You know, certainly my background in, in marketing and brand building um, and, and also data, you know, understanding data and how to use data effectively have all been extremely helpful to me in, in building WANA. Um, but I also think I have a pretty deep background in, in sales and consultative selling specifically. So um, that also was very useful. Uh, I think that... Uh, I'm a very curious person and that curiosity was very helpful. I spent tons of time uh, in the early years in dispensaries, talking to dispensaries, seeing what was selling, getting a feel uh, for what was important to people, what was important to buyers, what the bud tenders cared about. And um, it's, it's almost like it just soaked in, I guess is what I would say, and uh, became um, just part of, of WANA and, and how we built WANA. And I don't, that might be a little bit of a vague answer, but then in terms of the things that you don't learn in corporate America, you know, cannabis is just a very fast moving industry and the ability to uh, adjust to extreme regulatory changes, to changes of, of partnership and 
um, you know, all of the things that happened, especially in the early days of the industry, that I think is just a lived experience. That one, I don't think you can say, oh, I learned how to do this, you know, in, in my earlier career. You just kind of have to feel your way through it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm sure in more traditional industries, there's a lot more kind of data and analytics to make decisions from. And in this industry, well, now there are some, but, you know, when you first started, it was, you know, you guys had to uh, yes. try things and see if it worked and get feedback and then, you know, kind of go back to the drawing tables a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. There were no analytics uh, when we started. And so I think we started like, like many startups do, uh, not exactly knowing where we were going specifically. Okay, we were in the edibles category, but what did that actually mean? And what I think Juana was good at was uh, not, um, not falling in love with things and sticking with them just for the sake of doing that. So for example, when we started to see that gummies were really going to take off as a category, we let a lot of other stuff go. We had baked goods, we had some other candies, we even had crazy stuff like beef jerky and candied almonds and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't uh, hold on to things uh, past their, their useful life. And that really enabled us um, in a world where there were not any analytics um, to make good decisions and to stay close to the market. And a lot of that is just really feet on the ground and, and talking to people a lot. Yeah, I was listening to uh, a podcast that you guys recorded talking about different types of gummies, like different types of products and consistencies and, uh, you know, temperatures that they melt at. And there's just so much that, uh, you know, you guys learned along the way. And there's so much involved that I think the most people don't realize in what makes such a great product. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's an amazing category. And uh, we're super grateful you guys have spent so much time and energy in uh, making it such a great product. What are your thoughts, speaking of products and, and kind of maybe where we're going, what are your thoughts about big pharma or tobacco, uh, alcohol and tobacco entering the cannabis industry? I, obviously, it's a possibility, but what are your thoughts around it? Yeah, well, I think it's inevitable. Um, you know, those are all large businesses and they're all going to be looking for opportunity. And obviously, we are already connected to big alcohol through our relationship with Canopy and their relationship with Constellation. Um, I think. What I hope is that the way the industry evolves is that um, we are able to uh, create and protect opportunities for smaller entrepreneurs to enter and to be successful in the industry. I would be sad to see this industry um, become uh, an industry where only well-funded players even have a shot at being successful. But I think Obviously, it's a huge and growing industry. Uh, the beautiful thing about us being Americans is that we don't uh, dictate competitive, uh, you know, situations. Uh, businesses are are free to compete uh, in in the arenas that they want to compete in. Uh, what I look for is fairness and an opportunity for a variety of different types of people to participate. Awesome. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And then this is kind of a, a question that talks about more of the future. There's a, the, a lot that's going to happen before this, but when the day comes, when you step away from Juana, what's the one thing that you want to be remembered for? Yeah. I, well, do I have to say one? Can I say <laughs> you You can say it. There's no, there's no rules. You can there's say there's no rules here. Um, you know, I want to be remembered for, um, for creating a company that, created products that were truly effective for people, that gave people the effects that they were looking for, and uh, and in many cases helped them with health and wellness issues that truly impact our lives, you know, whether it's sleep or fitness or anxiety or intimacy, or I could go on and on here, but, you know, that people say, Wana really helped me. Wana helped me have a better life. Um, and one of the stories that, that I frequently tell, and I often get choked up being a mom myself, this, this story really chokes me up. But I was speaking at something, this was several years ago in Denver. 
And a man approached me um, after I was done talking. He said that he had come to the event because he wanted to meet me and thank me. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, he told me that he had a teenage son who had cancer and that the chemo was going very poorly and that his son just wanted to stop. You know, he was sick all the time and nauseous all the time and in pain. And he said, and then we found Wana gummies and they gave him so much relief that he was able to go on with his chemo uh, treatment and he was now in remission. And it's things like that, that on my inevitable bad days, that's what I remember that we created products that did things like that for people. So that's really probably the number one thing I would say. And then the second thing is that I hope that I will be remembered for creating a company that people loved working for and where they felt like they got opportunity and that it laid a foundation for them to have a good life. Awesome. Those are some big things to be remembered for. Um, so that's awesome. Let's go back a little bit. I, I wanted to get a little into it, but I, I wanted to get through a couple other questions. How does your company define social equity? Well, I think when we focus on social equity, it has to do a lot with what actually I was, was just saying before, when you asked me the question about pharma and big alcohol and big tobacco. Mm -hmm. um, it, in general, I'd say that social equity means that, that everybody has a fair shot at success in this industry. And then specifically, this industry has a particular debt that it pays to, that it needs to pay. To, to people of color, to BIPOC people. I think anybody who knows anything about the industry knows that um, the war on drugs, the so-called war on drugs was cynically and deliberately aimed at black and brown people um, who very disproportionately paid the price for uh, what is, you know, I think what has emerged as um, a, a very uh, cynical, um, way of conflating uh, black and brown people with, with cannabis and, and with, with drug use and the statistics on the percentage of, of people who are imprisoned for minor cannabis crimes, quote unquote crimes, uh, who are people of color is of course way out of whack uh, in terms of the general population. So these are the people who paid the price for uh, cannabis and they need to have uh, the opportunity to now benefit from, at this point, state-by-state state legalization and ultimately federal legalization of cannabis. So um, certainly for me, equity has that component to it. Um, but even, even beyond that, I think it really is about making sure that, that everybody has an opportunity to participate in the growth of this industry. Yeah, 100% agree. I get a little charged up thinking about all the people still uh, locked up uh, for, you know, crimes related or what were crimes back then related to cannabis. And uh, it's pretty sad. We have a long ways to go still. I would, I would definitely agree with that. And then how does this play into your philosophy as a business? I mean, you've talked a little bit about it, but when you think about your DEI you know, kind of philosophy, how would you best outline it. Obviously fair fairness is, is, you know, at the top of that, but how would you best describe it? Uh, your philosophy at, at WANA? Well, you know, I think our philosophy is first of all, you know, that physician heal thyself expression, you know, <laughs> I think, I think companies have to start by looking inward and making sure that they are doing what they can do to create uh, both an environment that is looking for diversity and welcoming of diversity, but then actually supports diversity. I mean, you, I'm sure in your field, Max, I'm sure you talk to um, candidates all the time uh, who are people of color, who were recruited into organizations, who were looking for diversity only to find out that once there, the environment was not actually supportive for them. Mm -hmm. So I think you, you have to start with uh, looking internally. We track our own metrics against the demographics of, of the county that we live in. Um, pleased to say that, that we exceed that, but we're always looking to do better. We're always looking for um, more diverse ways to recruit people. 
Um, we offer a lot of different training on systemic racism and um, having people actually understand what's equality, what's equity, what do those things mean and how do they show up in the work environment? So I think um, it really does have to start internally. Um, and then I think once your own side of the street is, is as clean as it can be, and it's never perfect because we're all learning and evolving in this, then I think you begin to look out and say, what can we do as a company to support broader initiatives? And some of the things that, that we do, we've been a long time supporter of the Last Prisoner Project, which is, is an organization that is focused on getting um, people who are still imprisoned for minor cannabis crimes out of prison and then also offering them, them programs so that they can um, regain their lives. Um, we work with a variety of different organizations that support BIPOC um, cannabis entrepreneurs. Uh, we work with New Life uh, uh, in, in Oregon, uh, Jeanette Horton's organization. We work with the Black Canna Conference, Christy Price's organization. We work with Color of Cannabis, um, Sarah Wilson's organization here in Colorado. Um, so I think you have to both look inside and then you also have to look outside and say, really, what are we doing uh, beyond putting up your little black squares on Instagram, on, you know, Martin Luther King Day? What are you actually doing? And are you doing it consistently or is it is it just lip service that you give, you know, at certain times of the year? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and before we got in cannabis, we worked uh, with a lot of social impact companies that were doing some great work. And I think they, you know, talk, they had their side, sides of the streets clean. And, and so we learned a lot from a lot of the companies we were able to work uh, with. And, and you're certainly right. There's still a long ways to go for us. I actually had Steve, um, I had Andrew D'Angelo on a podcast and have met Stephen D'Angelo. We support the Last Prisoner Project as well. Wonderful organization. And the other organizations you mentioned are all really helping to bring balance and fairness as you, you know, kind of stated earlier. So I'd love to hear, um, you know, your perspective when it comes to, you know, I talk about uh, social impact, but, but when it comes to co uh, corporate social responsibility, is there anything else that from in your guys's philosophy that comes into play when you start to think about how you manufacture stuff and packaging and stuff like that, that um, you like to call out when it comes to corporate social responsibility? Yes. And let me actually back up from the manufacturing and packaging piece of it and just talk about how I feel about corporate social responsibility in general. Um, and, and that is, is that my, my goal was that CSR was not siloed off at some little part of the company. Like here's the main part of our business and here's the person who does CSR, right? Sure. I really wanted to see how we could integrate it into everything that we do. So to start with your point, uh, in terms of sustainability, you know, it isn't enough to like make a contribution on Earth Day or, or whatever you do. You have to look at your whole organization. So we were one of the first companies to move to biodegradable packaging. This was about three and a half years ago. Um, and we work closely with a organization called EcoCycle in, in Colorado to help us look at everything in our facility in terms of what are we doing to make sure that we're as environmentally aware as we can be. Um, we've also just recently partnered with a very cool organization um, in Colorado called Water 22, which is an education uh, fund in Colorado whose goal is to raise public awareness among Coloradans about water and how it supports our quality of life um, some of the threats to our water supply, some of the tangible things that we can all be doing to conserve water. Um, <clears throat> huge problem here out West. We've been in an extended drought here for, oh, I'm talking to you. You're in Arizona. You know this. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, so that's, you know, kind of the sustainability piece of it. But beyond just that, we also try to incorporate uh, involvement for all of our product launches, right? So, um, you know, uh, when we come out with the, the fit product, we look to partner with people who are, are working on fitness initiatives. Um, you know, we 
we have a whole initiative for 420, which we last year renamed Forward 20, that said, let's, let's have this stop being about everybody getting as high as they can on this one day. And let's start having it focus on how cannabis can be uh, an integral part of the community. And so, for example, this year, our focus, focus for Forward 20 is going to be on, um, on food security. And uh, our goal is to partner with a nonprofit in um, every market that we work with uh, in, around the topic of food security. And we have a whole various range of, of things that, that we are doing on that. Um, we're also looking to build national level relationships with nonprofits, many of whom have not been comfortable partnering with cannabis companies in the past. Um, we've partnered with Habitat for Humanity, for example. We have uh, an active program with our employees where we uh, encourage them to get involved in their own volunteer activities. In fact, we provide PTO for people to volunteer. Um, but we have, uh, we're going to be announcing shortly uh, a relationship with a major voter rights and education organization, a national uh, organization. So what we try to do with, with our CSR is to say, this is not just a nice to do, this is baked into who we are as a company. Man, I, I am, uh, I was a Awana a fan before, I feel like maybe I haven't researched enough, but uh, I can't wait till people start realizing, consumers start realizing that this is all happening behind the scenes as well. I mean, obviously we both agree that it, it should in, in every business, but I think when people start to realize, uh, you know, the quality of the WANA brand and then what it stands for when it relates to giving back, doing the right things, sustainability. I mean, it's just, it, it's just super special. So I, I appreciate you uh, sharing uh, that. What about, um, and you talked a little bit about this as it relates to, to WANA brands, but what is WANA doing to support diversity and inclusion in the cannabis industry as a whole? Well, some of the organizations that I mentioned before, Max, are specifically the cannabis industry. So Black Kana, Black Canna Conference, for example, is an organization uh, for Black entrepreneurs in cannabis. The Color of Cannabis is an organization here in um, Colorado that helps uh, social equity candidates uh, launch their businesses successfully, and we've supported them in a variety of different ways. Uh, New Leaf, Jeanette Horton's organization in Oregon is actually putting together a national level mentorship program, which we participate in as well. So we're always looking for opportunities to bring both of our, both our expertise, you know, what can we help people with in getting started, but also financial resources to, to uh, support those organizations. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to start getting into a couple questions about uh, hiring in such an, in an emerging industry. It's obviously you know near and dear to our heart. It's what we do. Uh, but before I do, just a random question. There's lots of great things going on in your life right now as it relates to business, and we're hearing about lots of them. But what would you consider the best thing going on in your life right now? Well, the best thing always going on in my life is my relationships, right? With my friends and family and loved ones, that's always going to be number one. But the other thing that I, I do want to mention, and this is uh, just an incredible privilege for me to talk about, but one of the things that I was able to do with, um, with some of the proceeds of the, can uh, the canopy transaction was to start a private foundation. And so Obviously, I don't have unlimited time because I'm still running Wana, but I'm really, I'm really starting to put a lot of energy into um, thinking about how I can take this incredible uh, opportunity that I have and make a lot more significant uh, investments into areas that are of focus to me. Uh, and uh, we're actually going to be uh, renaming it. It's, it's right now it's called the Whiteman Family Foundation, but we're changing it to the Wana Brands Foundation, um, really in honor of the fact that it was Wana Brands and cannabis that enabled this money. Um, but having the opportunity to think at a big scale about making change in the world is probably the most exciting 
um, thing other than my family and friends and relationship. And of course, continuing to build Juana. Oh, that's exciting. That's super exciting. Uh, when we think about hiring in this industry, uh, what types of leaders make the biggest positive impact in such an emerging industry like cannabis? Well, um, I, I think that the people who make the biggest difference are the people who start with some sense of mission. Um, where I have seen a lot of people flame out is people who get in thinking that this is some sort of get rich quick scheme and they're going to come in, make a killing, get out and who cares, right? I think to be honest with you, cannabis is a really hard industry. It's a very hard industry and there's easier ways to make money in this world, right? So if you don't have something bigger that sustains you uh, on those bad days, then I, I think that it's hard to be truly a leader. So there's that. And I think related to that is I think that um, there has to be some excitement about the actual potential of this plant to improve the world. Um, again, those are the kinds of things that sustain you when things get tough and things are always going to get tough. Um, so there, there's that kind of foundational uh, sort of thing that I think is important for leadership. And then I think uh, plain old good uh, business skills, the blocking and tackling of building a sustainable business. You know, a lot of times people have been successful at raising a lot of money, blowing through a lot of money, focusing on grabbing uh, top line revenue and market share, but it's not really done in a sustainable way. Um, it's not done in a way that is leading towards a profitable path, right? So I think that the, the leaders who are going to have the biggest impact in the industry are the people who can maintain a balanced perspective on the need for top line growth with also the need for, um, for bottom line uh, accountability. What an amazing answer. You're talking our language about uh, purpose-driven leaders, you know, coming into an industry and, and really helping to move it along for all the right reasons. Are there any learning lessons as it relates to hiring that you would talk about as far as things that you've learned, you know, while you're running one in, in, in hiring? Is there anything that stands out as a learning lesson? Oh, boy. Um, yes. Um, I think it's related to what I was just talking about. Uh, I do think that the people who are, are happiest in cannabis are people who have some inherent excitement about the industry and about the plant. So I do look for that um, when, I'm, when I'm hiring people. There has to be some level of fascination by that. Um, I also think that um, someone who is aligned with the values that your organization stands for, I could be interviewing somebody with just the greatest skill set, but if they haven't demonstrated to me that they like to work collaboratively with people, that they treat people with respect, um, that they're not going to be a good fit for WANA. Um, so the to me, hiring for the good business skills is a given. You're, you're never going to hire somebody who you don't think has the skills to do the job, but it's the intangibles that actually make them a great team member and a great fit for the company and, and make them happy personally. So I think all of those things kind of have to be in place uh, when you're hiring. Great. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. And so our team and the work that we do, we are lucky where we don't have to post jobs uh, because they're senior level roles. And so for us, the way we, um, the way that we make sure that we have equitable hiring practices is we kind of control who we're reaching out to. So we try to do that obviously in a equitable way and, and we can kind of see who we're reaching out to. How, how, do you, how can you incorporate equitable hiring practices or share with our audience how they could incorporate uh, equitable hiring practices? Because based on everything you're saying, I'm assuming that you guys have and, and continue to, but share with us you know, how, how, you've, how you can do that. Yes. Um, well, part of it is a starting with intention, right? That's where everything starts that, um, that having a diverse candidate pool is our intention. 
Um, and so we are always seeking out different uh, job boards and, and uh, areas where we can recruit. I'm thinking new professional out Boulder would be two of them. You know, any anything that really is looking for uh, attracting diverse candidates into the pool is really important to us. Um, we also do some kind of more tangible stuff, like we disregard felony drug convictions as a criteria for hiring. Um, we also look to expand uh, opportunities for growth among existing employees. Uh, we are trying to work on fostering relationships with the historically black colleges and universities. So I think there's there's a lot to be done, and um, we're we're always working on getting better at it. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think you always need to hire the best person for the job, and the best person for the job is often also a diversity candidate. Amazing and very very well said. Well, we're starting to wind down. I know I I booked you for this hour and I want to be, uh, I want to be respectful of your time, but we've reached our last segment and this is actually the first time we've done it, but we have a, what's called the Y Scouts leadership philosophy. And at Y Scouts, we believe the best leaders on earth consistently show proof points in being a relentless learner, uh, deliver or developing others and driving results. So I have a couple questions based on each category here that I'm going to, um, I'm going to throw at you. The first one's around relentless learning. What is what was your biggest life learning to date? Ooh, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'd have to say that that being a parent probably would fall into that category for me. Um, I think having children um, is challenging. I, I don't care how wonderful your children are; there's going to be some pretty big bumps in the road and challenges that you're going to run into. And it makes you dig down deep in a way that nothing else in my life has done to, to be your best self and to um, summon up all the compassion and kindness and to be a great role model for them. So I think being a parent and, and my children are probably, I'd have to say, are probably my, where my biggest learning opportunities have come from. Awesome. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm going to, tricky situation. Now I got an 18, 16, 16, 12, and three-year-old all at the same time. So there's a lot wow. of different uh, learnings going on right now as we, as we move forward here. And now a couple questions about uh, developing others. Um, who or what developed you the most in your life? Well, hmm. probably, probably my parents. I, I think for most of us, what we learn and what we model either we move towards it or we move away from it, right? <laughs> it comes from our families of origin. I was fortunate to have wonderful parents. And, you know, they modeled um, their own values and their own work ethic for me. And, um, you know, they were huge influences in that. Absolutely. And this could be the same answer. This is around the same topic about developing others. But what, emo what motivates you to, to, develop, to develop others? Um, well... I, I guess I would, I'd sort of divide that into a, a couple of categories. One, just starting personally, is that, you know, it gives me great satisfaction and great happiness to see people thrive and develop and uh, go on the path that they want to go on and to be part of helping them with that. I guess it's that what people call that servant leadership model, um, I really do believe in that, that it's, it's, there's great personal satisfaction in that personally. And then there's also the motivation of this is in fact, how you build a successful business, right? You find the right people and then you create an environment where they can thrive and, and grow. Um, and that that's been such a cool experience for me. Um, and I, I don't believe honestly that, that we shape people all that much. <laughs> so I think people come the way they come. And so, you know, when, when you talk about, you know, people ask me, you know, how do you get people motivated? And I say, I don't get them motivated. I hire people who are already motivated and then I try not to screw it up. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of it has to do with creating um, an environment where people 
are rewarded for taking risks and even for quote unquote failing, you know, because I don't believe that you have failed. If you've extracted the learning from a situation, I don't think it's actually a failure. Um, but I, I think that if, if you're a leader who wants to build a great business, you are inherently motivated to help people grow. Awesome. That is just such good, uh, good sound information and advice. From a driving results standpoint, which is kind of the last piece to our leadership model, what would you say is your biggest success to date? I know that's a big question because you've had so many of them and, you know, from parenting to business, but uh, just off the top of your head, what would you say your biggest success is to date? I, at the risk of sounding corny, I'm going to say that my biggest success has been the relationships that I have in my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people that, you know, I'm still friends with my best friend from second grade. You know, I have an alarming number of friends from middle school and high school and college, and I'm old. So that's saying something. But it really is. I was saying to one of my kids recently, we were talking about the, the canopy transaction. And I, I made the comment, which I truly believe is that I was already rich before that transaction occurred because of the quality of the relationships that I have in my life. So, you know, that for me is is really that old adage that people say, you know, when, I, when you're on your deathbed, you know, what are you actually thinking about? I think you're thinking about the, the people that you love and the people who love you. Awesome. And I have another question related to this, but it may be redundant to the answer that you just said, but in case it's not, in case there's some more good nuggets in there, what's your biggest life motivator and why? Um, hmm, my biggest life motivator. Well, I'll tell you what I aspire to. And, and, um, I don't say that I succeed at it all the time, but I aspire to be kind and I aspire to be generous and generous with my time, generous with my love, generous with my resources. Um, that's probably my biggest life motivator. And the other thing that I would say is that I have a lot of curiosity. Um, I like to learn things all the time. I'm like a huge, you know, podcast listener and I read a ton and I just like the process of learning new things. And that's very motivating for me as well. Awesome. Well, that's, you have been uh, kind and generous with your time and um, curious uh, the way you've answered all these questions. This has been an amazing uh, experience with you. What, what else differentiates you from your competitors? Let's go back down that question. Well, you know, I, I think that there's some things that I would point to that I think Juana does exceptionally well. And this is not intended as a knock at competitors. I'm just thinking about what I think makes Juana unique. Uh, and one of the things that I would say is that um, we really have had just a huge focus on continuous improvement. And specifically, I'm going to talk about gummies since that's what we're, we're best known for. But um, first of all, we have a lot of focus, right? We don't try to do everything. We have, we have more than just gummies, but gummies really are really the area that we focus on a lot. And when I think of where we started with gummies versus where we are now, it's just been a series of upgrades, right? We First, we had to learn how to scale them. We had to learn how to make them so they didn't melt. We had to learn how to make them delicious and to um, get the flavors to the point where you were tasting the flavor and not the cannabis. Um, we uh, continually worked on upgrading our ingredients. In the last year, we have in, uh, in Colorado, and then we're doing this in most of our other markets too, we are switching over to organic ingredients. We've switched from corn syrup to tapioca syrup. Um, we're, we switched from um, plastic packaging to biodegradable packaging. We're constantly looking at every single piece of the product and saying, how can we make it better? We don't rest on our laurels. And that is true also for our focus on innovation. Um, early on, you know, we just had THC gummies like everybody else. And then early on, we saw the trend towards ratio, towards class specific, indica, sativa, hybrid. And then we started um, adding different cannabinoid ratios when, when CBD became widely available. And most recently, we have uh, really focused on our 
Optimals line, which is our use case specific product line, uh, which offers products right now. We've got the Wana Fast Asleep, which combines a very sophisticated sleep formulation with our fast onset technology, life changing for people who can't fall asleep. Uh, and we also have Wana Fit, which uses our THCV product, uh, a cannabinoid. So uh, we have probably another six or seven. Uh, products in the pipeline right now. That will be a very robust pipeline, uh, product line, excuse me, when it's, when it's built out. So I think it's really our focus on uh, constant improvement. Um, I like to say, I don't like to spend too much time looking at competitors. I like to compete with myself and make sure that we're always pushing ourselves to be the best that we can. Uh, what a wonderful attitude and uh, very great way to point out that your differentiators in such a humble way. Um, well, I'm going to start winding this down, uh, unfortunately, because I could talk forever, but I know uh, we and you have a lot of stuff to do, um, but you can find all of Wana's products online at wannabrands.com and feel free to follow them on Instagram at wannabrands. Are there any other social channels that I'm that you would want people to uh, get a hold of you guys on or are those the two best ways? Well, you know, you can also follow us on LinkedIn because we're always posting a lot of interesting information on LinkedIn. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. You can hear any of our previous shows 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts.